This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Sorry I didn't introduce myself earlier. I apologize. But we're so glad that you're with us as we're continuing this series called Happily Ever After. And uh, over the last couple weeks, man, it's it's been an incredible journey talking about how do we really have a happily ever after in our relationships? How do we have that marriage that we've always dreamed of? How do we have the relationships that we've always dreamed of? And we've basically been looking at a a principle coming out of Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 over the last couple weeks. And and so let me kind of just break that down, just kind of set the the background of what we're going to do today. And and we've been talking about the fact that, man, if we're going to have healthy relationships, the kind of relationship that's going to leave us with the happily ever after where we're we're doing life with another person and we're not, not that we're not going to have struggles, but not, it's not going to overwhelm us and it's not going to overtake us. How do we actually do that? And so we've been looking, we've been talking about the fact that in order to really have that kind of life and that kind of relationship, you have to have a man that is committed to to Jesus, the, the, the commitment, we got to have a God that is fully devoted to Jesus, that there's got to be a godly man. And on the flip side of that, that there, there's got to be a woman who is fully committed to Jesus first. It's got to be Jesus-centered. We've got to be secure in our relationship with Jesus before we're ever ready for a relationship with somebody else. And when we get those two things together, then God brings us to that other person and the guy pursues the girl and all of a sudden we end up with marriage and then we get to add in sex to that and it becomes this incredible thing. And the, the problem is, is when we, anytime we try to bring sex or we try to bring marriage and throw those in the scenario without having a guy that's fully devoted to Christ and not having a girl that's fully devoted to Christ, do we find ourselves going through the tensions and the problems and the struggles that so overwhelm us today in relationships? And so today, you know, throughout this series, we've been, uh, we've been talking about these things and we've been talking about these principles and, and there's been tons of questions. And so we decided, you know what, we're just gonna do a Q&A today. We're just going to, you guys have been submitting questions over the last couple of weeks. And, and so Shayla and I were like, you know what, we're just going to answer people's questions. Um, they've been coming in and, and we're not going to give you our ideas of what we think. We're going to actually look and we're going to go based on biblical truth. What are the answers to the issues that we're facing today? And so, man, we've had tons of questions submitted and first service was cray cray. I mean, we, we found out that first service is really, really horny. And so uh, like every question was about sex. So hopefully you guys are the, this set of questions that, that are in here, and we have no idea what's coming up. So hopefully this isn't as bad, but uh, would you guys help welcome my wife, Shayla, to the stage? And <laughs> Dang, that girl's fine. Okay, uh, so. Um, so Check. Really? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Really. Wait. There might be some questions, just so you guys, I mean, you guys are the ones that submitted the questions, so you know what you submitted, but if there are any families with kids or, you know, middle schoolers or whatever that you want to be the one to have the birds and the bees conversation or something like that, you may want to take them to our refuge class, or if you have kids in elementary school, you may want to take them back into an age-appropriate environment if you would like to be the one to have those conversations with them. Just a little disclaimer before we move forward. And if you'd like us to teach them, we're more than happy to do that. So uh, so how it's basically going to work, there's going to be a question that pops up on the screen, and we're just going to answer it. So pretty quick. So let's, let's check out the first question. In 15% of relationships, the woman is the sexual pursuer. 
These women end up chasing after romance and sex and their marriage. Advice for them. Well, Shayla, since that's you, uh, you want to go ahead and, and answer First that? of all, <laughs> if you are a guy in a relationship with this 15%, congratulations. Yes, every man here is jealous of you. Uh, <laughs> Do not raise your hand if that is you because somebody will probably punch you in the face. Yes, but, like they're like, gosh, you're lucky. But Anyways. here's here, the real deal is us as women, sometimes we're like, reading these romance novels and watching these movies on TV that depict a relationship that is not actually true of, of what a real relationship is. And as women, we get so caught up in, in how we view those different types of things in the movies and the books and all of those things that we think that that's how our actual relationship is going to be. And we're setting ourselves up to fail. And it's a lie because there, I mean, maybe there's a guy out there that's like the movies, but you're not it. Sorry. This I, could get crazy. I just got dog in front of everybody in our second service. DJ's really good to me, but. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> that sounded really sincere right there, didn't it? <laughs> no, the, the reality is, is that um, the, here's what happens. If you're the pursuer uh, as, as the wife, you will always have to pursue your husband. And uh, that isn't how God intended for it to be. Um, you know, God brought Eve to Adam, and then Adam goes, whoa, man, whoa. He, and then he went after her, and they were naked and not ashamed. Like, listen, if you're going after God's and you're running after relationship after relationship after relationship, and you're pursuing those things, um, you're always going to be longing for something more because it's his responsibility to pursue you not you pursue him. And so anytime we get that out of order, um, it always creates tension in the relationship because that guy, that's, that's an obligation as a man that we are supposed to do. And so men, if, if your wife is the pursuer, like you need to step up your game. You need to, you need to turn the tables a little bit and start pursuing her. And, and here's the reality is, is that the, the funny thing about sex and um, our desire for sex is that as men age, our desire for sex decreases about 1%. Um, but but the reality is is that as women age, statistically speaking, their desire for sex continues to increase. And so as as you age, they think they think that a lot of times like oh it's going to get worse. No, like they're going to want it more and more as you get older. And so you can look forward to future years. But it, like listen, you should start to learn how to pursue now. Don't wait until that time. Learn how to pursue now. You have something to look forward to, I guess. I do, man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, second question. Um, what do you do when one of you is never in the mood to do it? TJ. Did, I told you you couldn't submit questions. <laughs> Seriously, did you put that? I, I did because here's the problem in our relationship. <laughs> like, I just want to go home and cuddle. And she's like, I'm like, come on, babe. Take, take it easy on me. I mean, seriously, I'm not a piece of meat. I'm not just here to be abused and used. Like, show me some respect. I'm more than my body, you know? <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts, folks. I'll let you answer this. <laughs> okay, let's see. I've, I got Bible verses, too, that I'll come back with. 
Well, here's, here's what I think. Like, TJ's talked about the guy being the pursuer, and here's, here's what I think happens, because obviously this is a guy that submitted this question, okay? Because, I mean, some guys Really? Approach, I think a girl submitted no, this. No, no. Listen. Okay. Some guys approach a relationship or, like, sex with a girl, or, I mean, with his wife, like, like hey, you want to do it? Yes. <laughs> no, like the guy asked the girl that. Okay, sorry. And I thought that was a question for me. And so what happens is the girl most of the time is going to be like, I'm not in the mood. No, it just doesn't happen like that. So I think as a guy, what you can do is, is build that up in a relationship. It's not just something that instantly happens that you are going to make that connection. It's something that you have to romance, add romance into the relationship. Don't expect it to just happen. But, you know, throughout the day, say loving things or like buy a rose or some roses or send it, like, leave a nice note before you leave. Like, do something to, to create that mood so then it happens. But girls, at the same point, like, you can't always use that excuse. Our responsibility as women many times is to take care of our husband and the needs of our husband, and we can't always use that excuse just because we're not in the mood. Sometimes we have to die to our selfishness and what we want or what we feel in order to help our husbands out. I mean, come on. You got a scripture about that, don't you? I do. Do we have that videotaped? Because I'm going to use this later. So, uh, um, actually. Like video? What are you talking well, about? Well, never mind. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5 says this, Do not deprive one another, talking about sex, except with the consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And so there, there's, a th- there's a responsibility as a husband and as a wife is that we don't want to deprive one another because it's in those times that, that we get rejected as a husband or we get rejected as a wife when, when we're in the mood, so to say, um, that all of a sudden it gets us to cause us to start to look to other places to fulfill that mood. And so part of the reason here that we need to do is we need to not deprive each other. But as guys, um, you know, I heard this analogy uh, one time. They said, they said, you know, the, the key to flying an airplane or landing an airplane is the approach that you take. And so if you want to if you want to land the airplane uh, and it be she's in the mood, then it's got to be the approach that you take. And so that might mean doing dishes. That might mean washing the car. That might mean doing some things. Yeah, some wives are like, yes, that's exactly. Do we have that video? You, you do that, and, uh, and all of a sudden you're creating a landing strip for intimacy to happen uh, later on in that relationship, possibly in that day. Cool. Can you open this? Yeah, sure. Um, next question. Should I throw back all these fish, men, okay, men are fish, cool, if they don't want what I want in a relationship when it comes to kids? That's a, that's a great question. I'm going to guess this is a, this is a single person asking this. Um, hopefully they're not already married and they're fishing. Um, so why don't you take this? Why do you keep making me go first? <laughs> this is a tough one. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. As, as, a single, as a single person, to me, you should have a list of things that you want and a man, things that are important to you, things that you value and that you look to to um, almost like provide, com- not completion, because that other guy's not going to necessarily complete who we are, but 
you need to have things that, that are valuable to you so that you're not setting yourself up to fail in a relationship. And so many times, if there's things that are very important to us and they're not important to the other person and you're entering into relationship with that person, there's going to be a whole lot of tension and you're starting your relationship off on something that you don't even agree upon. Yeah. And so you're almost setting yourself up to fail in a relationship because you're not in agreement on the things that are important to you. I, I, I mean, for me, one of the things that, that I did when I was a single person that I, I believe set me up really well for a relationship that ended up being Shayla was as, as I made a list of, of things that, of qualities, not like she has to be a size 22 or whatever. Like, it wasn't superficial things. It was like, here are qualities and characteristics and, like, things that are going to be important in a relationship. Like, how many kids do you want to have? How many kids do I want to have? If you want to have 27 and I want two, there's going to be tension there. And so maybe this isn't going to be the best union uh, because we have different things that we want. I mean, if she wants, that might be a good thing for you. Um, but, uh, but if those things aren't a match then there's probably somebody else out there that is the right person for you. And, and I would tell you, don't settle for less than. Uh, that is the greatest thing because all you'll do for the rest of your life is you'll live in regret and wonder, what if I would have waited or what if I would have gone with this person? And you don't ever want to look at your spouse because how disrespectful and how unhonorable is that to look at them and say, man, I, I probably could have done better. Mm -hmm. Or I could have gotten something that I really wanted, and you're always looking at them with that eye. Yeah. And so I would encourage you not to do that because the, all, the other thing is, is the Bible says the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. And if that's something that's really important to you, the kid issue, don't settle for a guy that doesn't have the same desire in his heart as yeah. you do. Yeah. Cool. Next one. there no <laughs> let me let me let me spell it for you n-o no no it's not okay Shayla do you want to give them the reason why well here's the thing the bible tells us like anything about sex is in the bible is in a marriage relationship it's between a man and a woman and here's the thing when you're asking is masturbation okay you're, you're not married. Sex is reserved for the marriage bed. And if you're having sex with yourself, that is still outside of marriage. And so I would say because of biblically what sex is and what it talks about is being between a man and a woman. And it says to flee from sexual immorality. So if you're doing those things, yes, it is wrong. Booyah. There you go. Now you know. Okay, next question. I don't have anything to add to that. What are the best things you can do as a couple to prepare for a loving, healthy marriage? Wow, that's a loaded question. No, uh, I feel much better after that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the best things you can do is, number one, you, you can have a passionate pursuit of Jesus individually where he is enough. Um, because here's the deal. A lot of times we're getting in relationships thinking that the other person is going to be enough for us or is going to complete us. And the reality is, is no individual person can complete us. Only Jesus can. And what happens for a lot of us is we, we go and we find a person thinking that they're going to be my all in all and they're going to be my everything. And that distinguishment was never meant for them. It was only meant for Christ. And anytime we replace a person with Christ, we mess up the scenario. And so we've got to go back just to, to Genesis 1. 
Adam had a solid relationship with Jesus. Then Eve, before she ever had a relationship with Adam, had a solid relationship with God, and then God brought them together. And so the best thing you can do to prepare for marriage is, is to fall madly in love with Jesus, and he'd be your all-in-all and your everything. On top of that, you, you can talk a lot. Communication, I think, is, I mean, if there's one thing, communicate and over-communicate and communicate about everything. Uh, you need to talk about everything. Part of the, one of the things that people fail to realize is that uh, getting into marriage is kind of like buying a used car. Um, and, and I don't mean to, to demean anybody by saying you're a used car, but all of us have uh, some nicks and some, some scrapes and maybe some baggage in the trunk. And a lot of us, what we want to do is when we see a car, we just want to jump in and test drive it and say, man, this went fast, but we never look under the hood to see what maybe hasn't been taken care of? What hasn't been maintained? We never go and look in the trunk to see, like, what's all the extra stuff that's been here? And the best thing that we can do is we can do a, a full inspection of that and make sure it's compatible for the desired things that we want to do in life. I, I totally agree. You know, one of the things that leading up for us getting married is I always, I made mistakes in relationships for a long time. And... What I did was I found my fulfillment and my worth in that guy. And everything that I thought about myself was wrapped up in how that person viewed me or how that person treated me. And when I discovered the thing that TJ is talking about is when I truly had that relationship with God and I truly understood my worth and my value and who God created me to be, I no longer found my fulfillment in what someone else thought about me. You know what, TJ, even now, TJ could do something to disappoint me or he could do something that could hurt me, but I don't find my worth and my value in how TJ sees me or views me. I find my worth and my value in what God says about me and so if something happened in my relationship, I am still whole yeah. and I am still well because I know my worth and my value. And I think the best thing that I could tell any of you guys is to know who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are, you're going to respond in love. You're going to be able to distinguish the truth from a lie in a relationship. You're going to be able to distinguish who the right person is and who the wrong person is because you're connected to the source of truth and life in your life. And so you're not going to settle for something less or different. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's one other thing that I think that happens a lot in relationships um, is, is when we're in the preparation stage and when we're, we're seeing if somebody's compatible, we have extreme grace for them in that season. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we overlook the fatal flaws. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the reality is, is we need to be honest about those because those fatal flaws that were cute – while you were dating them, when you're married, all of a sudden they become, you become really legalistic about those things. And instead of giving them grace, all of a sudden it becomes legalism and you start beating them up over those same things that were fatal flaws in the beginning that were just cute. And so if you'll be honest with yourself about where they really are, that's honestly the, probably some of the best advice. Because some of you guys are in some relationships right now and you're overlooking some things that are big deals. Yeah. Because, like, there's some other qualities that you really like, but there's a there's an elephant in the room, and you're just acting like it's not there. And don't buy into the lie that when you get married, it'll get better. Because marriage doesn't make your problems better. It makes them worse. And so 
don't think that, oh, when we get married, you know what, that won't, he'll change and that'll, no, that's a lie. Do yeah. not believe that. If yeah. there are things that you can't stand right now, don't marry him or yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Next one. Should you ever let others come in the marriage threesome? You guys submitted these questions. Yeah, like we're not, we're not coming up with these questions, so um, uh, no. There is a verse in the Bible, and I don't know which one it is. Maybe you know what it is. But, it, but the Bible talks about the marriage bed is to be kept pure and undefiled. And when you, marriage is between a man and a woman. And if you bring someone else into that equation, then you are defiling the marriage bed, the bed that is supposed to be kept pure. And you know what it does? It creates insecurity. It creates all kinds of different issues in that relationship because you're bringing someone into that relationship that has no business being there. And so the answer to that question is no, never. If you're doing it, stop. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Go to your spouse and say, look, you are the only one I want. Yeah. Well, and that verse is, is Hebrews 13, 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And, and this is the thing. Anytime you bring somebody else into your relationship, it's two become one. If you add a third person in there, all of a sudden, you're creating bonds with somebody else that isn't your spouse. And we talked about this last week, the, the power of those bonds. And, and if you continue to, to take a piece of tape and stick it on something, eventually it loses its stickiness and you stop bonding to that person. And you don't want to bond to anybody else but your spouse. And so that's the reason that you shouldn't do that. And I know some people will say, well, but, but we're agreeing to that together. It doesn't matter that you're agreeing to it. You're still defiling it. You're bringing impurity into a pure relationship. And anytime, listen, if I have a pure glass of water and, and I drop uh, some, some urine in it, it's not pure anymore, is it? It's just a little bit, though. It's still defiled. So same thing in your relationship. Next one. I've been dating someone I believe to be the perfect person for me. They're smart, kind, handsome, protective, and genuinely a good person. Um, The only problem is that they don't believe in God. I feel like we are supposed to move forward in our relationship. What should I do? Shayla? (laughs) That's a good question. I think we kind of covered this a couple questions back. And just the fact, like, there can be somebody out there that is an incredible person, but if they don't, if you are a Christ follower and they don't believe in Christ, then they don't truly know you because you are connected to Jesus Christ, which is the source of love and all of those different things. So how can someone truly know you if they don't even know your creator and and the reason why you live your life? Yeah. Well, not only that, but the Bible already answered this question in uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has a righteous with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And so right away, um, God is setting you up because what he's saying is, is like, listen, you're going to, yoking was, was something they would do with oxen or donkeys. They would put them on together and they would both pull in the same direction. When you're pulling in the same direction with somebody that doesn't have the same values and beliefs as you, there's always going to be tension because you're going to be pulling different directions. 
And so what happens is from the very beginning, you're pulling in the wrong directions. How are you ever going to come together? Even though they might have great qualities, the number one thing that you need for a successful marriage is them totally sold out to God. And so I would tell you, the best thing that you could do is you could break up with that person. And you could pursue God. And, and if they want to come to Christ or they want to know Christ, uh, if you're not married with yet, that's the best decision you could do. If you're married uh, to somebody that doesn't believe, the Bible is very clear about that. It says you're to stay with them and they're to be won by your purity and your reverence for God, not yeah. your nagging. Yeah. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if, if you're in a relationship like that, that, that man, take, take the bold step and do what's right. Trust me, I've never met anybody that made the, the right decision up front that, that wasn't happy about it later. You know, and I've I, seen a lot of people make the wrong decision up front and regret it for the rest of their life. I saw this play out in the life of a friend of mine. And she, there was a guy that was perfect for her. It met, he met so many different qualities that she desired, but he, he didn't have a relationship with God. And he was like, well, I'll go to church and, you know, all of those different things. And then they got married and he was like, I don't want to go to church anymore. That's not really how I want to raise my kids. Like, those aren't the values that I have. And she entered into this relationship that now she's miserable in because he doesn't believe the same things that she believes. And I would say this even if not, like, take the, the unbeliever aspect out of it. That's a value that you're looking for in someone. And we just talked about this a few minutes ago. If it doesn't match up, whether it's that they want kids or that, you know, they need to attend church or that they like to go surfing, I don't know. Like, if they don't line up with the things that are valuable to you, then it's not the person for you. And, yeah. and there's going to be somebody else out there. Like, we, we desire relationships so much that we'll compromise the things that are valuable to us most because we, we just want to have relationship. And you're going to end up disappointed because of those decisions. Yeah. Next question. How do you handle a situation where your spouse wants to allow your children to find religion on their own and not allow the, the other to bring them to church? Man, that's a, that's a great, great question. And uh, honestly, that's next week we're, we're going to answer a whole bunch of those questions. Um, but the, the Bible is pretty clear that it says train up a child in the way that he shall go um, or she shall go. And as a parent, you have a responsibility to train up your children. And uh, this, is, this is where it gets difficult when you're unequally yoked or you have different value systems. This is what happens a lot of times. And, and it is difficult. But you have a responsibility as a parent to train up your child. And so I would encourage you to, to train them up, to pray with them, to talk with them. Um, you, you might not be able to bring them to church. I don't know. You're, you're going to have to, that's, you're going to have to have that discussion with your spouse and have respect for them and honor them as well, um, even though they don't believe the same thing as you. But that doesn't mean that you can't instill values, that you can't instill morals, that you can't pray for them, that you can't believe that God will do something immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And so I would just encourage you to live God out daily in your life because the greatest thing you can teach your children is by seeing them, yeah. by letting them watch you live it out no matter what the situation is. And I think another thing that you can do, and sometimes we so undervalue this part of it, is that you can pray for your kids and for your spouse. You know what? They might not be there yet. It's, you, can't, you don't sit there and nag them all day long like, oh, you need to come to church. You need to come to church. You need to come to church. That is not going to do anything. Yeah. 
what you need to do is pray for them. And don't go up to being like, oh, I'm praying for you, you know, but pray for them. Like pray. When you're in your prayer time, pray that God begins to change their heart, that God brings people into their path that can encourage them, that can speak life into them. Because Prayer is such a powerful tool that we many times forget about and we try to fix our own situations rather than turning that over to God and allowing him to do the work in that person. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Next one. How do you encourage your spouse to come to church without nagging? Well, I, I, I mean, there's, there's scripture for this that says, you know, uh, if you have an unbelieving spouse that they will be won over by your purity and reverence, not your, uh, your bitterness and yeah. your, your, uh, how you despise them because they're not doing the things that you want them to do. Um, you know, here, here's the thing that, that happens. A lot of times we want to, to, to win the argument of what we want instead of winning their heart. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do in these situations instead of nagging them is we need to win their heart. And, and I would encourage you to win their heart because if you win their heart, you know what? Their actions will follow. But if you're constantly, nah, 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 like nobody loves that. Like I've not met anybody that says, man, can you please berate me some more uh, about what you believe? Like that has not won anybody over. But what has won them over is purity and reverence and, and unconditional love. That they see that there's something different about you and they say, I don't know what's up. I, like I don't even know why you, you treat me like this even though I'm, I'm nasty to you or whatever. And they're going to they're gonna start to come around. Uh, but it, they're not going to come around because you've beat them up to come around. I kind of look at it like this. So probably about three months ago, I decided, man, I've been telling myself forever, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out. And I found myself talking to these girls that I'm mentoring and stuff and telling them they need to have discipline in their life. And gosh darn it, why can't you get discipline in your life? And I looked at myself, and I'm like, how long have I been saying this? And so I was like, you know what? Next week, I'm going to get a gym membership, and I'm going to start working out. And I'm going five days a week, and that's, you know, what I'm going to do. And so I make this decision to do that. And all of a sudden, because I'm there, I think TJ needs to be there. And so I'm like, oh, TJ needs to be at the gym because he needs to be healthy, and he needs to be, you know, whatever. So I start saying, hey, TJ, you want to go to the gym? TJ, you want to go to the gym? TJ, you want to go to the gym? And he's just like, Shayla, leave me alone. (laughs) And so, but what I found is that, you know what I need to do? Is I need to go to the gym, and I need to keep my mouth shut, and he's going to begin to see whatever transformation that I feel good or that I look different or all of those things. And because I'm doing what only I can do, then maybe it will motivate him to do something. And I think the same is true in our relationships based on people that maybe don't attend church with you, is if they see your life changing and you do things differently and you're loving them differently and you're responding differently in circumstances, they're going to be like, man, something is different and I want what they have. Like ever since they started going into the church, things change. But if you're going home and you're being nasty and you're just constantly telling them they're a bad person because they're not going to church or they need to be going to church and why are you sleeping in and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, what desire do they have to go to church? Because they're not going to want to be like how you're acting. So we need to allow God to begin to change us so that they see what they need and they have the desire to pursue that. So win them over by your actions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Next one. 
Is it okay to have conditions in your relationship? That's a, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, and it's a good question because a lot of people do have conditions in their relationship. Um, you know, we're to have an unconditional commitment yeah. to another person. Uh, the Bible's very clear on that. You know, we're to, we're to, love, we're to love our spouse as Christ loved the church, uh, which was unconditionally. Um, but in order to receive his love, we have to accept it. So there is, there is a condition in there. Like, we have to accept that. So there, there are conditions to his, his love is unconditional, but we have to accept that. And so in relationships, um, I think that we need to go above and beyond to do whatever it takes to make our relationship great. Um, in situations where maybe you're being abused or, or um, emotionally or physically, there can be conditions. Like, if you continue to do this, like, I'm going to have to make some decisions. Um, based on the abuse that's being done, but I don't think that we can be like, hey, listen, if you don't do the dishes, like, you're not getting any. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's not fair. You're just trading uh, right there, and that's not a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship is, is both parties are giving, um, and, and the reality is, is if, if you're in a healthy relationship, then it's really easy to not have any conditions, but if your relationship is really, really unhealthy, there's probably some areas where you do need some relationships because without conditions, we end up train wrecking. It's kind of like this in life. Beer commercials, you know, they tell you to drink beer. But what do they say? Drink responsibly. Why? Because there's conditions. Because if you don't drink responsibly and then you go out and you drive, what happens? You end up hurting other people. And so even in the midst of our freedom in our relationship, there has to be some boundaries so we don't hurt other people. And that's where I believe conditions come in. So we're trying not to hurt each other, that those are agreed upon things that like, hey, we're not going to, like, for our relationship, one of our conditions is, is like, I don't compare Shayla to her family. Like, that's a no-no for us. Like, that's a condition. Like, if I do that, all hell is breaking loose. Uh, because that's a, like, we've discovered that, that that's an out-of-bounds area for us. And whenever we go there, it's explosive. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head with the whole boundaries thing. You know, and and we have we have those things in our relationship where a lot of these things are solved through communication. Yes. You know, and if you're communicating with one another and you're talking about things and you're having that healthy dialogue, there's so many incredible things that can come out of that. You know, like TJ and I He'll do the dishes and I'll do the laundry. Or like we have these things in our life that's like, okay, these are the things that you're going to do and these are the things that I'm going to do and that's what we're responsible for and that's okay. But you have got to have open communication to be able to know when, you know, those boundaries are being crossed. Yeah. I think the other thing is is that there are a lot of the reasons why we want to put conditions on everything is because we have unmet expectations in our relationship. And the reality is is, is expectations are deadly because it's, it's something that we expect without the other person understanding or knowing. And so what we need to do is we need to communicate desires uh, because desires, when desires are fulfilled, it brings, uh, it brings I'm trying to think of the right word. It, it excites us. It brings love to our relationship. When we have expectations and somebody meets our expectation, they're at the bottom line. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and so if we just, if, if I say, Shayla, you know, my desire is that we have sex every day. And, uh, and we have sex like three days this week. Like, that's, like, I'm, I'm pretty happy because, like, she met that desire three of 
the seven days. Um, I would like it three times a day, seven days a week. But, you know, like, like she's going to the gym, so I don't, you know, I don't, you know, she doesn't maybe need Maybe if you went to the gym. Out. So, yeah, maybe I need to go to the gym. I went to spin classes last week, and it's, it's not been good ever since. So, uh, so they're not really encouraging me. Next question. Is this the last one, or do you want to keep? Let's, let's, I don't know. Let's, let, okay. let's see. What, what's the next one? Uh, if I'm waiting for God to send me my future spouse and I'm not dating, how will I know when he has arrived? Mm. That's a good question. This, this is from a woman, apparently, because it's, it's when he has arrived. Oh, so okay. Um, okay. why don't you answer that? And then we'll do one more after this. I think it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. Like when you are pursuing God and you're pursuing that relationship first and foremost, those things kind of fall into alignment. And you can see the qualities that you want in a person. That person is probably going to be one of your best friends. He's not pursuing you for physical aspect. He's not pursuing you for the wrong things, but you're looking at someone and you're seeing all the values and all of the things that you want in a person. TJ says it like this. He, I remember him saying this in a sermon. You just take the responsibility of running hard after God. Just like focus on your relationship and you just start running hard after God. And then look next to you and see who else is running hard after God. And then just grab their hand and keep running. Pretty much. That's pretty, seriously, I mean, how, how will you know when he's arrived? Because you're so passionate about God, they're going to be the only person that's there with you. Because yeah. the, the here is the reality. Most of us aren't that passionate about God. We're passionate about getting with somebody else. And if they're passionate about God, they're going to treat you with respect. They're going to treat you with honor. And it's going to be so different than anything else that you've ever seen. And that they're passionate about the same things that you are, that they are not just like somebody that's pursuing you for a physical thing, but they're pursuing you because of who God has created you to be. And that is the attractive nature. I, I'm, I'm talking to all these single guys right now because I want single guys to, to get this. And I'm trying to coach all these single dudes right now because I want them to realize that, man, you got to want a girl not for her physical attribute but for who God created her to be. Yeah. And when you, when you can see her for that and you don't care about the physical thing, when it's all about like I just want to know her and know more about her and understand her and be her best friend, that's when you've got it figured out. And, and girls, when a guy is pursuing you not for your goodies but for your intellect and for your passion for Jesus and they're like, man, I just want to keep this pure and I want to keep this whole and we're going to do this the right way, that's when you know. Like, you're not going to have to go looking for him. He's going to come looking for you. And this is what I know. It doesn't matter how you look or whatever. If the most attractive women out there are women that are passionate about Jesus. Yeah. Yep. The most attractive guys that are out there, and I know because there's some guys in our church that are just passionate about Jesus. Like, girls are going and asking them out. And they're like, I don't want no girl that asked me out. But, like, Girls are attracted to them. Then there's other single dudes that are like, why can't I get a date? Because you don't love Jesus, bro. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you're at the gym every day. They don't want a meathead. They want a lover of Jesus. And well, so, they, they want somebody that wants to know them. Yeah. Like one of the things I think when I, when I knew that I was supposed to marry TJ was when I saw a guy who would, would ask me just to go somewhere with him you know, hey, let's go to the park or whatever. And he would sit there with a notebook full of questions. That was a little intense. It was a little bit intimidating. 
And I would go home and be like, crap, I got to find some questions to ask. But he would sit there and just ask me questions and want to get to know me. And I had never had someone that just wanted to get to know me and who I was and who, what I wanted to do in my life and what I was passionate about. And when I found that person, I was like, there is no way I'm ever letting this guy go. I don't care what I've been through before. I don't care the crap that I've been through. That was all unhealthy stuff. And this is somebody that's healthy and that just that wants to know the real me and not just the outer me. Yeah. Last question here. Um, let's see what it is. It seems like good things happen to people who don't give God any thought at all. They seem to have a great relationship, money, etc. Where is God for me? DJ. Thanks. You know, it's really easy to look at people, other people's highlights uh, of their life. You see them in a split second. You might see them driving by in a Bentley, but you don't see the home that they go to that's empty. Um, and it's really easy to look at the outside and think, man, they, they, they've got success and they've got fulfillment. I think we have to redefine what success and fulfillment is in life. Um, a lot of times we've made it physical things and attributes and all of those things when the reality is, is some of the most miserable people in the world are the people that have the most stuff. We've bought in a lie that he who dies with the most stuff wins. That's, that's, that's a falsehood. Most of those people have, most of the Fortune 500 CEOs that are making these million-dollar deals and getting paid all this money, they, they're, they're, their kids hate them. Their families are a wreck. And, and they're, not, they're not discovering the true meaning to life. And so it's really easy to look at them from the outside and say, oh, they have success. Really? Really, it's just a mask of what's really going on deep in their heart is they're, they're not, yes, there are some people that, that do get that, but the vast majority don't. This is what I know is that um, in this season of my life, I'm the happiest I've ever been with the least amount of stuff that I've ever had. And, and I, know, I know a whole bunch of, I've been, I was talking to a guy in our church that had, had just gone through a season um, that, where he lost a whole bunch of stuff. And he said, you know what, I've never had more peace and more joy in my life than I do in this season. You want to know why? Because stuff doesn't bring joy to our lives. People don't bring joy to our lives. Jesus brings joy to our life. And if we're looking to those for that, we will always be disappointed because people are jacked up. And uh, they bring a lot of stuff to that that we don't see. And if we really get and look at those moments, we would understand What's really, really happening there? I think also, you know, with the question, where is God for me? And what I would say is God is after your heart right now because you're noticing all of these things in other people's lives that you don't feel like you have. And in the Bible, God even talks about in this world, you will face heartache. You will face trouble. But he says, take courage for I have overcome the world. And you know what? Some of you guys might be in situations and circumstances that, that you might think, where is God? Why isn't he coming through in my life? It's because he is after your heart and he's after getting you to trust him and saying, look, it doesn't matter what this person has or what that person has. I want to show you what I have for you. And my plan for you is not my plan for, for TJ. It's not my plan for, for this person or that person. It is what I have planned for you, and I just need you to trust me. Yeah. And I think too many times we're looking around at what God is doing in other people's lives, or maybe God is not doing in other people's lives, and we're saying, but what about me? 
And we got to take off that selfish nature and say, God, it doesn't matter. Use me. Show me the plan and the purpose that you have for me. I heard somebody say this one, one time. They said, don't compare yourself among yourself. Because we look around at everybody else, and we see what everybody else has. And we're comparing among ourselves what everybody else has instead of standing on that verse that, that God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, yeah. declares the Lord. And he has a plan to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you a future. And you know what? What we're facing right now is momentary and temporary. But God has something incredible for you if you just trust him and stop looking at what other people have and start embracing the life that God has for you. Yeah. And I would say, you know, in reading into this question a little bit, is that you're kind of bitter towards God. And... uh you know what, you're, you're not ready to have God's best because there's bitterness in your heart right now. And until you remove that and, and get some things right internally, like how are you ready to love somebody externally? How are you ready to have the plan that God has for you? And so I would encourage you here today, instead of, instead of just keeping that in and going, man, God, dude, why aren't you doing this? I, I, you know, it says in James 5.16 that if we confess our sins one to another, that God will heal us. And I believe that God wants to bring some healing to your life and wants to open you up to what he has for you because he does have a great plan for you. And he's trying to write your story, not somebody else's. And this is what I know about all of us and, and, and ourselves included is that nowhere there is not a single story in the Bible where there is a perfect relationship. Besides Jesus, there's, there's no perfect families. Every family in the, this book is jacked up, which gives us all hope. And it, it makes us, like, it makes us normal. Like, we're going through, through things today that are normal. You know, Shayla and I's relationship definitely is not perfect. Uh, we, we like to, to think that it is, but it's not. We have our issues. We have our problems. But this is what I know, is that if I'm... Okay. <laughs> I'm a little scared. I, I don't really want to look over here anymore because I'm afraid of what's happening over here. Um, let me back up here a little bit so I can see everything. <laughs> this is what I know is that if I'll passionately pursue Jesus and Shayla passionately pursues Jesus on her own and we're going after God, then no matter what circumstance, no matter what trial we face, we can overcome it. We can overcome it. And this is what I know about all of us is that in life, we, we're going to have to answer two questions in life. Uh, one is, is what are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to make him Lord of our life or are we going to disregard him and keep ourselves as number one and us be Lord of our life? And number two is who are we going to spend the rest of our life with? The problem that a lot of people have is they're making a decision on number two way before they ever make a decision on number one. And the way to have the happily ever after that all of us so desire and want for our lives is to make that first decision. Are we going to make Jesus not just our Savior, not just where we're going to spend eternity, which is a really easy decision like, yes, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to accept Jesus. Or are we going to allow him to rule and reign in our life and make and lead and guide us. And that's a decision that we're all going to face here today. That we're all going to face with that throughout our lives. And daily we're going to have to make that choice. Jesus, where are you going to stand in my life? 
Are you going to come first or is something else going to be in that? Am I going to be in that spot? Is my career going to be in that spot? Are my kids going to be in that spot? Is my spouse going to be in that spot? The only thing that should ever be in that spot is Jesus. And I believe that today there's some of you guys that are out there that you're facing some difficulties today. And you've been trying to figure out how to make it work on your own. And everything that you've done and you've tried and you've, it just caused more chaos in your life. And, and I would probably tell you it's because you've been trying to take control of your situation and do it yourself. Rather than trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior and allowing his lordship to rule and reign in your life. And I believe that God is here and he wants to do something new and he wants to do something fresh and he wants to bring healing to your life personally and then relationally as well and so today we're just gonna go ahead and and go into a time of prayer here if you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes this is a coastal community church podcast for more information about coastal community church please visit coastal community dot tv